This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Galarset. It is Friday. TGIF. Can't wait for the weekend. Can't wait to watch more soccer. Even though there's not as much this weekend as there was last weekend, that doesn't mean there aren't some good matches waiting. We have plenty to talk about on this episode, episode 312, I believe. We're talking U.S. MNT Martinique. We have to talk about Canada. The showdown is coming. The undefeated Canadians against the undefeated Americans. Big showdown, big showdown on Sunday in KC. What else do we have to talk about? El Salvador. First place in a group with Mexico. Told you, I told y'all. If you if you listen to the show, I believe I said, "Hey, watch out for El Salvador in this tournament." And look, two and zero, but they got Mexico next, and that's not going to be easy. We have a little MLS to talk about. Joseph Martinez, what is going on in Atlanta? Things are not. Uh, some people aren't happy in Atlanta, apparently. And we also have a full slate of MLS matches this weekend. The league took a, took a week off for the start of the Gold Cup, but it is back. And we'll uh, we'll get into that as well. well. We'll talk about some top matches. We won't get into all of the games because it's too many. But we will get into the best matches. On the schedule, first things first, I pop up, freaks all the honeys. No, I'm not biggie. Uh, but... First things first, U.S. men's national team defeats Martinique 6-1. I almost said 5-1. I lost track. 6-1. Unfortunately, they missed the extra point. They only scored six. And believe it or not, that was not enough to catch Canada for first place in Group B. And what does that mean? It means the Americans must beat Canada on Sunday to secure first place in their group heading into the quarterfinals. And why does that matter? Because more than likely, if you finish second in Group B, you're looking at playing Mexico in the semifinals as opposed to the final. Now, of course, we don't even know if Mexico is going to win their group right now because El Salvador, as I mentioned earlier, 2-0. El Salvador, if they manage to get a draw against Mexico, surprise, surprise, they would win the group. And obviously, that's a tall order. Mexico is Mexico. Strong team. They brought their first group, or most of their first group, but of course, now they're missing Irving Lozano, who's, who's out injured, but still. That's going to be one to watch. So it's almost as if, yes, you want to play to avoid Mexico, but then you could end up still not being able to avoid them. So, and you know what? I said this, I want to say last episode, and I feel like it can be a drinking game when I say, I said this last episode, but I did say last episode that at the end of the day, you have to play Mexico at some point, whether it's the semifinal or the final, more than likely, if you're the U.S., you're the United States, you're going to have to play and beat Mexico. So if it's, if it's in Texas in the semifinal or if it's in Vegas in the final, either way, you have to beat them. So you can't really worry too much about trying to avoid or trying to figure out your path. You just play who you play, beat who you play. Win your games. That's it. That's all you can control, winning your games. And the Americans did that on Thursday. 6-1, comfortable victory. Of course, Martinique did score a goal, and that goal ultimately is what kept the U.S. from catching Canada. And it was a penalty kick for those who missed the match. Kellen Acosta was whistled, rightly so, for a foul in the penalty area. Or as Greg Berhalter likes to say, the penalty box. I'm not used to saying it like that, but I think I might have to adopt that. But overall, uh, it was a good night. It was a much better night, obviously, than the first match against Haiti. The 1-0 win against Haiti, which left, obviously, Berhalter and a lot of fans a little unsatisfied. Thursday, different story altogether. We saw a very young team. With all the with a lot of those players that that fan U.S. fans has been have been dying and eager to see, and as a matter of fact, it was the youngest starting lineup 
in an official competition ever for the United States. Apparently that that's what I saw a note um, that was floated on uh, earlier today on Friday. Not a surprise there. It's a very young team. Gianluca Busio, second youngest ever player to start the match. Only Juan Agadello was younger to start a Gold Cup match. And we had several players impressed. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go through every single player's performance, but we have to start with, obviously, Daryl DK, star of the show, man of the match, just imposing force, right? And obviously he fought, he scored against Costa Rica. He had, for what for me, was a man of the match performance against Costa Rica. Some people felt it was uh, Brendan Aronson that was man of the match, but still, he had a good game against Costa Rica in the first match after Nations League. And he follows that up with two goals and what should have been a hat trick, could have been a hat trick, but official scoring made it an own goal. And, you know, you di- I, I did see a replay where DK's header could have been going just wide, right? For those who missed it. He, he he put a header at goal. A Martinique defender came and tried to do kind of a flick up to stop it. And then he ends up flicking it up right towards goal. Like he helped it along. He helped it. He kept set taking it towards the net basically with his move. And ultimately that was deemed an own goal. And it, it, it was initially called an own goal. Then it was changed to a DK goal. And then it was changed back to an own goal right before he scored the hat trick. Apparently I didn't even realize it. You know, I was, you know, he scores that goal and I'm like, hat trick, Daryl DK hat trick. No, it was not a hat trick. Does not take away from what was an impressive performance. I mean, his touch, his runs, his strength. I mean, you name it. He showed it his his ability to combine his ability to take people on. I mean, he he's shown all the things that he showed at Barnsley when he made the run uh, on loan there and had the had the great great run of games and the goals that he scored at Barnsley. And obviously he showed that during his rookie season with Orlando City, what should have been a rookie of the year season. I don't think they gave a rookie of the year award, which for me to this day is still one of the dumber things MLS has done. And, you know, I'm not going to go down too far this rabbit hole, but allegedly, you know, MLS tried to claim that, you know, everyone knew that there would be no no rookie of the year award. But apparently that was news to the people who made the contracts for these players. They had rookie of the year stipulations in their contracts. If their contract said we get a bonus if they win rookie of the year, then clearly they didn't know that there would be no rookie of the year. Point is, Daryl DK should have been rookie of the year. They should have made the award, given it to him, but they didn't do it. It is what it is. DK crushed it. Outstanding performance. He wasn't alone, though. There were others. There were other players who stepped up, took full advantage of their of their first starts, and in one player's case, his first appearance for the United States, and that is Matthew Hoppy. Hoppa. However you want to say it. The Schalke forward was impressive. I got to say, and he really he impressed me for a variety of reasons. Uh, obviously, he played well, but let's remember. I believe he was the only, actually, he was one of two European-based players in the starting lineup against Martinique, Shaq Moore being the other. And these guys are in their preseasons in terms of fitness, in terms of preparations for the new season. These guys aren't in midseason form in terms of, you know, match sharpness and fitness these guys were on vacation or at home training preparing for the new seasons preparing for the tournament as opposed to the mls guys who are in the middle of their seasons they have almost a half a season's worth of games under their belt so they're they're rolling they're in form they they have their fitness together and you know matthew hoppy had not played a game had not played a competitive match in almost two months but you would not have known it watching him play against Martinique. I mean, the confidence on the ball, the touch. I mean, he took people on. He sent that perfect, beautiful cross to DK on that first goal. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. And I thought it was funny just because I remember when the roster was first announced, right? We had the press conference after, and I asked Berhalter about, you know, what he's going to do in terms of, you know, he has all these forwards. There's not really wingers. What's 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 the plan? And he said, I'm going to play Matthew Hoppy and Nicholas Giacchini as wingers or, you know, we're going to see in the tournament, we will see them play wide. And some people were freaking out. Why would you play Matthew Hoppy wide? 
Why would you play Nicholas Giacchini White? These are strikers. Play them as strikers. What are you doing? A lot of uh, consternation over that whole thing. And I'll tell you what. Even though yesterday's setup was a 5-3-2, although it obviously took some people who I won't name a while to realize and figure out what was going on formation-wise, Hoppy looked really good playing with DK, uh, playing as a second striker, playing, he, you know, he, he moved around. He took full advantage of the attention that DK was obviously receiving. And he, DK is such a presence that it creates space, it creates openings, opportunity for those who are playing around him. And Hoppy took full advantage of that. So he dropped into midfield at times. He took people on at times. He was just, it was just really a strong performance in his debut, in his national team debut. He makes the start and he looked good. He looked sharp. And again, context matters. And I'm going to say this more than once. Context matters. Martinique is Martinique. Martinique is the worst team in this group. You have to consider that. You can appreciate it. You can appreciate how good these guys look. You can appreciate the moves. You can, the you know, the passes, the touch, the skill. But in terms of the results, you, you, you praise it, but you do remember and you do make sure to re- realize and, and to, you know, point out that, you know what, the opponent was not a high level opponent, but it's a good first step. Or in DK's case, it's a good second step to continue their their trajectory, to continue building their confidence, continue to building their uh, connections with their teammates. A lot of that, is, I mean, the, these games do matter as much as people will say, oh, what's the whole point of playing a Martinique? Hey, look, first of all, it's a Gold Cup. You play who you're in, you know, placed against, who you put in the group with. But the reason Greg Berhalter played a lot of these new faces together against Martinique was a chance to build some confidence and a chance to give them uh, an opportunity to succeed and enjoy a successful integration into the national team. And people just need to be careful not to go overboard with it and say, oh, well, hey, look, you know, you know this guy crushed it. Against Martinique, clearly he can do that against Mexico. Clearly he could do that even against Canada. Like it, you can't, you can't make that jump. But that doesn't mean you still can't appreciate what these guys did. And at the end of the day, I came away impressed with Matthew Matthew Hoppy, and I asked Burhalter about him, and clearly Burhalter was also impressed. I'm only going to ask you about one person, uh, Matthew Hoppy. Obviously, yeah. he's in preseason uh, preseason form, yeah. and he looked really good. He clean on the ball, mobile. Uh, what, what did you think of how he did tonight? And, and and did did you see him? Did he show you anything tonight that kind of gives you more confidence about that idea about him being able to play wide in a four three three? Even though tonight, obviously, that wasn't the setup. But did he show you some things tonight that kind of give you confidence going forward? Yeah, so I think he did an excellent job. And um, for Matthew, you know, we had him slated as a winger, and today he played as an attacking mid in the pocket sometimes, sometimes running behind and going high. And it's not easy to take in all that information and perform as well as he did. So, you know, I, he also showed quality. The quality, uh, um, you know, the, the pass he gave to Darrell is, is a high-level pass. So, you know, I think he did well, and, and we're also bearing in mind that he is in preseason and hasn't played a competitive game. It's been at home training, and, and this is the output you get. So overall, pleased with his performance. So we know the forwards were great. The, the two forwards up top were excellent. But who else performed well? And and I'm you know you could probably give me I could probably give you three four more names, but I'll stick with two more. One James Sands. James Sands was excellent, and obviously Martinique. I mean they did have a player who plays in Syria, ah, so it's not like they have amateurs playing. So I mean the the player who scored the penalty he plays it he plays at Crotone I believe in in Syria. So there's some quality there. And James Sands I will tell you was excellent. He was excellent on the ball. I believe he, I think he was 77 of 80 on passing. 7-4-7 on long passes. He did his part defensively as well. I think he had like five recoveries. Uh, you know, he, he 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 made the tackles. He won the duels. He did it all and just showed real poise, just like he showed in his debut against Haiti. So now the question becomes, did he show enough to convince Berhalter to play him again 
against Canada. Much different opponent, much different challenge. You're talking top strikers in, in CONCACAF, or quality CONCACAF strikers in Kyle Lahren, in Lucas Cavallini. I mean, these guys are handful. And James Sands is going to deal, have to, he would have to deal with a handful in what would basically be his second start against Canada. So that's the real question there. Of course, the bigger question is if you're, if you're Burhalter, do you go with a 5-3-2 or do you go with the 4-3-3 against Canada? And I've said, I said it last episode, I think we'll see the 4-3-3. I think he'll come back to the 4-3-3, the system that is the still the first choice preferred system for the men's national team. Obviously, that ties into what lineup will he, will he go with? And, and we're definitely going to touch on that. We're, we're going to get into the lineup a bit. For sure, because I, you know, the game, the next match, USA Canada is on Sunday, right? I'm recording this on Friday. This is going to drop Friday afternoon. Squeezing in another episode before that, just to preview that game, is probably a little ambitious. So I'm just going to try to make this also the US Canada preview. Bear with me. We've just done a lot of episodes and there's just not a lot of time there. So I'm going to try to do that and, and preview it. And if you want to read more detailed preview material, if you want to read more detailed analysis of the, the match, previewing the match, make sure you check out SBI. SBSSoccer.com, and we'll have we'll have it on there for sure. But who will Greg Berhalter turn to? And James Sands has put his hat in the ring. You obviously have Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman, who were your first choice center backs coming into the tournament. And if you play a four three three, you start those two. They're your veteran. And as much as James Sands has looked great, and I've 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 loved what I've seen from him, and I've wanted to see, I've been wanting to see him for a while, be able to get this opportunity. I felt he should have got the opportunity in Olympic qualifying. Said that, and I and I was it was very happy to see him be a part of the Gold Cup setup. Having said all that, I still think four three three against Canada, Robinson and Zimmerman. I still think that's going to happen. One other player who performed well, Gianluca Busio, follows up his impressive debut with another strong performance, and he put several dangerous passes in, set pieces. He had a shot off the post. He did have an assist on on the last goal, Giacchini's goal, uh, Nicholas's Giacchini's goal in ninetieth minute. He was all over the place making things happen. And that's great to see. And he continues to impress and show that, look, he is the real deal. And again, context matters. Martinique is Martinique. They're not Canada. But Busio is building confidence. Busio is settling in. And you have to think he's going to get more opportunities. Does that mean he starts against Canada? We'll get into that in a little bit. But Busio's done, done, you know, made a very good case for himself as far as starting against Canada. So that that's really what it's going to come down to when you look at Canada and the challenges that they that they present, and let's talk about Canada for a little bit. And it, I know I could I could talk about some other players as well for the U.S. And you know, at this point, I've only talked about DK Hoppe, Sands, and Busio, right? And we could talk about more. I mean, just giving you a quick rundown. George Bello could he have been a little better in that wing back role? But you could argue that Shaq Moore wasn't as impressive as he was in the first match. But again, he we're talking about a guy who was in preseason form. He's been thrown into the starting lineup, starting his second straight match. Because Reggie Cannon's injured. So let's cut the guy some slack. Context matters. And I will always say that. It's a big thing for me because there's not there's a lot of people out there, media, fans, fan media, that just don't put context on things or put things into context. And you have to do that. Shaq Moore wasn't as impressive. But again, when you factor in his second game and what, how many days? When he's in preseason form to play the way he played, he did all right. He did well for himself. He's still, for me, his stock is still higher than it was when the tournament began. Eric Williamson, solid performance. Again, he's he's definitely boosted his stock, helped himself. Christian Roldan, 
solid performance, great on the goal, on the on the give and go working with it with DK on DK's second goal. And then yeah, Jesse Zardis came off the bench, scored a goal, beautiful finish. Kind of to remind people who don't want to remember, he's still he's still probably the top striker option on this on this team, as much as Daryl DK looks amazing right now. And if you took a, a vote among fans, 95% would probably vote for DK over Zardis to start against Canada. But the fans don't vote for the starting lineup. Berhalter votes. He gets the he gets one vote, and that's it. Well, I mean, I'm sure him and his coaching staff, they work it out. But back to the point. These guys did well. Now, Canada. Canada is a handful. And they, if, you, if you didn't get to see the game against Haiti, and you just saw the final score, you're like, oh, well, they beat up Haiti. And the final score is the final score, right? So 4-1, I mean, that's a comfortable victory, but you wouldn't, are, you wouldn't say they dominated Haiti. You wouldn't say they, you know, they ran them off the park. They, they outplayed them in terms of, you know, they had more shots, 12-10 uh, on shots. They had uh, the edge in possession. Uh, but Haiti, the, Haiti ha- actually created chances. In terms of chances created, it was 8-6 Haiti. So Haiti created more chances. Uh, they didn't have as much of the ball, but their passing was about comparable. Canada had 12 shots to Haiti's 10. It was a, it was a, it was a, actually an improved performance by Haiti, even though their uh, improved performance than the one they showed against the U.S., but they actually got beat worse. They got beat 4-1. But as far as, Can- as, far as Canada goes, I'm curious how Canada is going to approach this game against the United States. Because most people would say, oh, well, yeah, they're ready. They This is a must win. They want to win this. They want to send a message. I get all that, right? But if you watch that game and you watch Steven Ustakio, totally butch- I'm probably butchering that name. Steven Ustakio plays in Mexico, scored a beautiful free kick goal to start this game. He's been an excellent player for Canada. He basically got himself an intentional yellow card late in their match. And I watched the replay. I watched the... Uh, I recorded the game and I, I watched that 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 play and it looked like he got it on purpose and and what kind of gave it away was when they cut they cut away to to Canada coach John Herdman and he was smiling he was grinning he was trying to hide it a little bit you know he's trying to put a hand over his face but he was smiling and then you and then when I read his post game conf- uh, post game comments from John Herdman he sounded like a coach that pretty much was like yeah you know we had we planned for this we wanted him to get a yellow to miss the U.S. game, to clear his yellow cards for the knockout round. Because you don't want to play him against the U.S., get a yellow against U.S., and then not be available for the quarterfinals. Now, he didn't say that, but that's kind of what you could read between the lines. So this this is all to say, I just, you know, if you're... So what's Canada... What's their plan? Are they... They just want to get to the quarters, and it doesn't matter who they, what route they take. They just want to get to the quarters and be set up as well as possible for the quarterfinals. And if that's the case, maybe they're not approaching that that game against the U.S. as a must win. And obviously, it's for them, it's not a must win. It's a it's a it's a must draw. Or is it even a must anything? Because if you're Canada, you are through to the quarterfinals. And in theory, you can rest people. You can rest players against the United States and then focus on the quarterfinals. And, you know, the thing for me is that the quarterfinals, there's a pretty good gap between Sunday and the quarterfinals. So in terms of resting players, I don't know if that's something you need to do, but is it something that Canada could be planning? And that would be a much different approach if that's what Canada is doing. That would be a much different approach than what the U.S. is doing. The U.S. rested some players clearly with an eye towards having them for Canada. And honestly, if, 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 if I'm running things and I'm looking at that schedule and I see the gap between Sunday and the quarterfinals, I'm doing the same thing. Sebastian Legette played a midweek game in MLS before the Gold Cup. Kellen Acosta 
played a midweek game in MLS before the Gold Cup. Christian Roldan, I believe, played a midweek game in MLS before the Gold Cup. So these guys came in playing, having played in the midweeks. And now Berhalter has made a point to get them all rest, whether it be the first game, like Christian Roldan, or the second game, like Leggett and Acosta, who were not in the starting lineup. Jossie Zardes, not in the starting lineup against Martinique. And now, for me, I think if you're asking me who I have, who I see Greg Berhalter starting, and full disclosure, I got I was 11 for 11 on his starting lineup in last in the last episode. I was I was actually 10 for 11 when I wrote the piece projecting the lineup earlier in the week on SBI. I, I wrote a projected uh, who should you know who should start post on SBI. But then obviously when Walker Zimmerman was part of the press conference, that kind of told me, well, Walker Zimmerman's starting. I need to adjust, so I put Walker Zimmerman in, and voila, 11 for 11. And just to be clear, no, I didn't have the lineup. I wasn't given the lineup. The Martinique lineup was pretty much the lineup I was suggesting even before the tournament began when talking about how these games would play out based on the schedule, based on the opponents, based on the way the matches are, are, are kind of laid out. You you play a pretty you know mo- most of your top choice guys against Haiti. You play some younger guys, most most of your younger guys against Martinique, and then you go with your veterans against Haiti, along with a mix. If there's you know if, if you have a couple of the younger players who just really really impressed. Then could they could break through for sure? But I think we're going to see a veteran lineup against Canada, and especially they have to win to win the group. They absolutely want to win the group, and no, it's not. Oh, they want to avoid Mexico. They just want to win the group. But the U.S. has not lost the match in the group stage in in since uh, twenty is it twenty eleven? I could be wrong on that, but it's been it might be since that Panama loss in twenty eleven. I still remember that. Damn, it's been ten years. So they want to win this group. They want to continue the path and set up what will hopefully be a U.S. Mexico final. And I don't know if Canada cares as much about that. So that that's for me that's interesting. So now it's it's kind of the bigger question is who will Canada start against the US? And I know we're we're not going to get into that here, but look at Canada, right? They got, they have a good team, especially up top. When you talk about Laren, Cavallini, they had a striker start for them, uh, Antoine Carnegie. Jonathan David is not there. Thankfully for the US's sake, he's not there. He's, you know, in preseason with Lille. But then you have Tejon Buchanan. And I tell you what, Tejon Buchanan is a problem. Tejon Buchanan is a handful. He's the kind of handful that if you're Greg Berhalter, you're game planning for him, how to stop him. Because he has been really, for me, the biggest threat for Canada in this Gold Cup. And he's been lining up, you know, he, he lined up on the left against uh, against Haiti. He can, he can play on either side. He can play on the left. He can play on the right. So honestly, I think for me, that's why... I think well, and all the more reason why I, I don't I see Greg Berhalter sticking with the tried and true four three three that he prefers, and it's going to be a challenge for Shaq Moore if he starts a third straight match, or Reggie Cannon if Reggie Cannon is able to recover and be available. But if Reggie Cannon's still injured and Shaq Moore is out of gas after two straight starts, could we see Kellen Acosta at right back? And we actually saw Kellen Acosta step in, I believe, step in later in the match against Martinique, and he has played. He's kind of you can put him anywhere and he'll play. You put him anywhere, he'll get the job done. Not literally anywhere. You can't play goalkeeper, I don't think. But he showed in the Nations League, he, you can put him at left back. Actually, he's shown that with the Rapids, Colorado Rapids. In emergency situation, he can play left back and play it well. He can play right back. So maybe Kellen Acosta is your right back. But for me, you can only do that if you are confident that Gianluca Busio is ready to start against Canada. And that's going to be an interesting one because... Canada's, you know, they have a really good midfield. Mark Anthony K, Jonathan Osorio, Ustakio would be, but now he's out with yellow cards. But as good as that Canada team is and that Canada midfield is, these are guys that Gianluca Busio is not going to be afraid of. These are guys that he will have seen already. 
in MLS. And we know Busio's been in excellent form in MLS. So this isn't too great a challenge for him. This is a challenge that he can absolutely handle. And now you find yourself in a situation where, you know what? You need someone you can trust to deal with Tejon Buchanan. And hopefully, knock on wood, it's Shaq Moore. Hopefully, he's you know if he's if he's good to go, if he's uh you know if he's avail if he's if he's fit, he should be the guy, right? If he's fit, Shaq Moore should be the guy. He came out in the 58th minute against Martinique, so you know when I saw that, it's kind of like okay, maybe hopefully he's rest he'll be rested enough. Now look, this game was Thursday night. U.S. Canada is on Sunday afternoon. Not not a lot of turnaround time there. What is that? Friday? You, you're going Friday night, Saturday night. Sunday afternoon, two, you're talking two and, a, two and a half days of recovery. So that that that's asking a lot of Shaq Moore, who's played two, who started two straight games now, is in preseason form wise or fitness wise. So maybe Berhalter looks at, at Kellen Acosta as a potential option as a starting right back. That's something absolutely people should consider, especially because of the Tajon Buchanan factor. He's the guy the U.S. has to stop. And as far as left back goes, I think Sam Vine starts a left back. L- look, you know what? Let's just get right into it. Starting lineup, U.S. Against Canada. Who starts? Goalkeeper Matt Turner. Again. I said it. I said it before. I'll say it again. Give him every game this tournament. Left back. George Bello, you know, playing wing back. Did we see enough? I don't think we saw enough to have him surpass Sam Vines. I think Vines will start at left back in a four four back defense. Sam Vines a left back. Shaq Moore at right back. If he can go, if he can go physically and he's ready to rock, I think he'd be a great matchup for John Buchanan. I think Shaq Moore is a very strong defender. And in a four, as a, as a just as a right back, not as a wing back, but as a right back, Shaq Moore can do the job defensively. Let's not forget now, back when he was with the U.S. before 2018, he was better defensively. It was his attacking quality that was kind of, you know, you felt like it was lacking a bit. But now with the time in Spain, he is definitely sharp in his, his attacking quality. I would love to see the Shaq Moore, Tejon Buchanan matchup. Center back. I think you got to go Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman. And I know some people will say, what? Wait a minute. James Sands has looked unbelievable. Look. I am on the bandwagon with James Sands. I have been. Anyone who reads me, anyone who's listened to the show, anyone who watched the SBI rundown when we were doing videos back in 2020, I've been on the James Sands bandwagon. But I don't think now is the time to put him in when you're going to go four, four, uh, with a 4-3-3. Robinson and Zimmerman are your guys. Now, if Berhalter turns around and plays a five in the back, absolutely James Sands is starting. Absolutely. That's not even a question. Donovan Pines is not ready. Donovan Pines is raw. Donovan Pines, as I said before the tournament, it was a surprise that he was included. Who knows what happened? Who knows who wasn't available? Who knows who pulled out late? He did make his debut. He did against Martinique. And you know what? He looked He looked like he looked raw. He looked like you would expect him to look. And, and he's not ready. He's not ready for this level. He is not starting. We know that. So if you play three in the back, you got to play James Sands. Just because you have to. And because he's actually good. Because he plays well in the system. And he handles that that central spot well, as he showed. 77 of 80, passing. 7 for 7 long passing. Come on. That's top notch. And obviously Canada is, Martinique is not Canada. Definitely not Mexico. But you'd like to see that. Zimmerman, Robinson are your center backs. Who starts in the midfield? Sebastian Legette won, guaranteed. I think Roldan starts. Christian Roldan starts. He looked good. He looked good against Martinique. And it, I think it was his, his starting job to begin with. And then the question becomes the sixth. For me, it's Kellen Acosta. You, I, I start. I think you start Kellen Acosta unless you have to play him at right back. Unless Shaq Moore can't go, you got to play him at right back. But I don't know if we definitely see Busio start. And I know that's going <laughs> to piss some people off. I know some people are going to be like, what? No, we riot. This is ridiculous. Gianluca Busio needs to be a starter. Gianluca Busio needs to be a starter last month, yesterday, definitely tomorrow. 
It's all well and good. It's not a crazy idea, but I don't see it. I think Acosta starts. I think Acosta, if if he's not playing right back, he Acosta's definitely in a starting lineup, right? And I think if you're looking down the road, and I know you don't want to look too far ahead, you don't want to think about the final before you get there, you don't want to think about Mexico before you get there, but who is your, and I've said this again, I said, I've said it in previous episodes, who is the most likely or who is the best equipped and has the combination of form, experience, all of it, to handle the challenge of Mexico? and the midfield uh, big guns that they have in this tournament. Kellen Acosta. Kellen Acosta has played Mexico multiple times, started in Azteca, played in the Nations League final just last month. He's your six, unless you absolutely need him to play right back. If you need him to play right back, you do it because Tejan Buchanan is Canada's biggest threat, and you need to put Acosta out there. But if Shaq Moore's fine, you play Acosta at the six, and you bring Busio on, Later in the match, you bring him on, and when you need, if you need to switch switch things up, put him in. He'll get in this Canada game, one way or the other. Starter, not starter, Busio will be on the field against Canada at some point, but he may not start. And now the bigger question, the one everyone wants to know, who plays up top? And that, this is a tricky one. This is a tricky one, and I, this is what I'm going to propose. If you're going 4-3-3, you don't have to... You First of all, you don't know what's going on with Paul Ariola. He didn't play against Martinique. He's still out injured. You're definitely not starting Jonathan um, Jonathan Lewis. I almost said Jonathan Sands. I don't know who that is. You're not starting Jonathan Lewis. So why not play Daryl DK as your striker, put Matthew Hoppy on the left, and put Jassi Zardes on the right? You can do that. And I know you can say, well, look, Nicholas Giacchini has a bit more experience play, playing wide. Jassi Zardes has played wide before. This is not a new thing for him. He has played wide before. He knows Greg Berhalter's system better than anybody. And he, for me, he can handle that role. No knock against Giacchini. Giacchini has, you love Giacchini because he gives you everything he has. No one puts in more effort than that guy. He, he like, I, I'm a fan. I like what I see from, from Giacchini. But I think you got to go with that front three just because, well, for one, Daryl DK, the, the way he looks right now, you got to play him. You got to play him. But I think you also have to get Zardis on the field. So either you play the two of them together in a 5-3-2, you go Zardis, DK, or you go 4-3-3, which is what I've been saying for a long time now. Only now you feel a little better about Matthew Hoppy playing out wide. Because I think he showed against Martinique. He can play anywhere. He can go anywhere. Everyone get you know, not everyone, some people got caught up in the idea of, oh, he's not a winger. He's not fast. He doesn't this, that. He's not this. He's not that. He's not, he's not traditional prototypical winger. No, he's not. But he's a soccer player. He can take people on. He can cross the ball. How beautiful was that cross on the goal of DK? How beautiful was that? How perfect was that? You haven't seen many better crosses than that from anybody in the U.S. men's national team setup. First team, second team, you name it. That was an excellent cross. He dribbled at people. He combined. His touch was immaculate, as I as I tweeted. So I liked what I saw from Hop, Hoppy. And I know Berhalter liked what he saw, too. So from that, so if you factor all that in, I think you go Hoppy. DK, Zardis. And here's here's the thing that needs to be said, right? And Canada, strong team. I like them. They, they're going to be a handful in qualifying. But they do have their flaws. And their flaw, their flaw is their defense. Their defense is not great. Their defense is okay. Their defense can put together a solid game. But their defense is not a world-beating defense. It's not It's not an untouchable defense. Their defense can be beaten. They've gave, they gave up goals against both Haiti and Martinique. Not penalties, I don't think. <laughs> Definitely not a penalty against Haiti. 
It was a nice goal, actually. Credit to Haiti. Beautiful goal. Beautiful passing on, on the sequence to that goal. But point is, Canada's defense is vulnerable. And Greg Berhalter's aggressive, man. Greg Berhalter is, sees the challenge of Canada and wants to beat them. He wants to put their face in the mud and remind Canada, you are Canada. We are the U.S. men's national team. We are the CONCACAF big dog. Here is a reminder. Because as much as, as, much as the U.S. did get revenge against Canada for that Nations League defeat in Toronto... Just, what, two months later when they smacked him up in Orlando? Greg Berhalter is going to want to beat them every chance he can get. Because you don't want Canada building confidence as a group. You don't want Canada to, to start having that swagger that we can beat the U.S. When, whenever we want. You got to nip it in the bud. And they're going to look to do that. They are going to attack Canada, in my opinion. That's what I think they're going to do. Just knowing how Berhalter, Greg Berhalter is. Knowing what he has to work with. Knowing what Canada has strengths and weaknesses wise. He is going to go after them. And you go after them playing with those three up top. Hopper. Hoppy Hopper. I'm just going to go with Hoppy. I'll stick with Hoppy. You go with Hoppy, DK, and Zardes. And I think it could be excellent. I think it could work excellently. So we'll see. U.S. is favored. They should be favored. But Canada is going to be the toughest test of the group stage, obviously. And I think it's going to be a great match. Great match. Looking forward to it. I hope (laughs) it's going to be pretty crazy if Canada ends up sitting several starters with an eye towards the quarterfinal. That would blow my mind a little bit. But listen, every team approaches things differently. You know, some people, some teams brought their full squad to the Gold Cup or mostly, you know, Mexico brought close to an A team. The U.S. approached it differently. Some other teams approached it differently. Canada could be looking at the at the quarterfinal. They could be looking at it and saying, listen, we want to make sure our team is ready for the quarterfinal. We're already in the quarterfinal. Let's make sure everyone's healthy, rested, and we have the best possible chance to win our quarterfinal. And then after that, let the chips fall where they may. If we we play Mexico in the semifinal, oh, well, so be it. Let's beat Mexico in the semis. Maybe that's how Canada is approaching it. And you know what? If Canada doesn't play their first team or their strongest lineup against the Americans, some people will complain. And some, uh, you know, maybe some, maybe some people will complain. Maybe some Canada fans will complain. But guess what? What if, what if Canada's uh, backups beat the U.S.? That's a, that's another feather in the cap. That's a huge feather in the cap for Canada. But I tell you what, the U.S. is going to be ready. The U.S. is going to be ready, and I think we're going to see enough. I hope, maybe it's wishful thinking. I hope we see an offensive game, lots of goals, lots of chances, because there's going to be plenty of attack. Hopefully, there's going to be plenty of attacking talent on display. The U.S. is going to be fully loaded. Hopefully Canada comes with with that same kind of, hopefully we see Tejon Buchanan, hopefully we see Kyle Aaron. I want to see those guys. I want to see them matched up against the U.S. defense. I want to see Shaq Moore tested. I want to see Sam Vines tested. And I want to see the center backs. I want to see Miles Robinson tested. I want to see Miles Robinson against Kyle Aaron. Give me that. Main event. Kyle Aaron's a good striker. Very good striker. Kyle Aaron, Miles Robinson. Let's make it happen. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, I mean, we definitely, I definitely hope we see DK start. You want to see Daryl DK, the run he's on? Let's see him go against that Canadian defense and those center backs. It's going to be a fun one. I, I'm looking forward to it, and U.S. fans should absolutely look forward to it. And last but not least on the Gold Cup, El Salvador. I said it, folks. I told you guys. I told y'all. El Salvador was going to be a handful in this Gold Cup, and they've got two wins, and now they play Mexico with a chance to win the group. Easier said than done, of course. Mexico rolled in their last game 3-0. Rogelio Funes Mori. Former FC Dallas Academy player? Mexico is going to be, they're going to be ready. And they're going to be ready to try to put it on El Salvador. But El Salvador, they're playing with real confidence. And credit to Hugo Perez. Hugo Perez has done an excellent job with a program. Let's not forget now, El Salvador, I believe they they were hit with the death penalty 
uh, you know, in terms of just not, you know, they were suspended as a program. They, they've been a mess. They were a mess when, when, when Hugo Perez took it over. And now he has them in the octagonal. He has them winning their first two group, uh, their first two Gold Cup group matches. He's, con- he, he's convinced some players to play for El Salvador who are helping the program, obviously, in terms of Eric Zavaleta, Alex Roldan. They are going to be a handful in qualifying, and this game is going to be a great chance for them to show just how much progress they've made. I'm looking forward to that. I will absolutely be watching El Salvador, Mexico. So look forward to that one. I think we've covered everything there is to cover on the Gold Cup. Now let's talk MLS. And the the biggest topic in MLS circles right now has to be what is going on in Atlanta? Atlanta United, Joseph Martinez is training on his own away from the first team in Atlanta, and he's not injured. Gabriel Heinze confirmed this to reporters this week. He has chosen to separate Martinez from the team. No one knows what happened. No one knows what's going on. No one's been, I haven't seen a report yet with any details, any particulars, but it's definitely a worrying situation. Atlanta, Atlanta's already in a mess of a situation. I think that, what are they, seven in a row? They, they, have, they haven't won in a while. Things are a bit of a mess. And now their best player is being separated from the team. So what is going on here? Do we have another coach situation in Atlanta and others? It, it, I mean, I personally thought Gabriel Heinze was going to be an excellent candidate for this team. I thought he was going to do great things with Atlanta. Obviously, the results haven't borne that out, especially lately. But now this is a whole nother thing. It's one thing to just kind of have a couple of results not go your way. You get draws. Uh, I mean, they've been in these games. It's not like they're getting blown away. They're in these games. They, they've gotten a bunch of draws, but they haven't been getting the wins. And now you have Martinez and Heinze in a rift, it, it appears, on the surface. That one definitely bears watching because if you don't have Martinez on board, Atlanta, I'm sorry, Atlanta, you're not getting very far. You're just not. They have a they have an interesting team. They have some they have obviously a good amount of talent on that roster, but you need Joseph Martinez. You need him. And without him, you are barely a playoff team if that. As of right now, they're not a playoff team. But without Martinez, I don't see them I I don't see them doing much. It's just another forgettable season for Atlanta. So we'll see what happens there. See, you know, it definitely bears watching. Is Atlanta about to run through another coach after running through Frank DeBoer? Stay tuned on that one. Now, there's a full schedule of MLS matches this weekend, uh, and I'm just going to run down. So for me, the, the, the match, the, for me, the, the match to watch, Columbus Crew, NYCFC at the shiny new building in Columbus. And uh, obviously, there's some players that are away for national team duty. You have Zardis, James Sands. Um, but still, there's going to be plenty of talent on display there. Looking forward to that one. Then you also have Toronto FC against Orlando City. And obviously Toronto won their first match after Chris Armas was fired. Now you want to see if they can keep that going, keep that momentum going. Josie Altador is back from exile. He is back with the team. And hopefully we see Josie Altador in the starting lineup. Hopefully we see him playing again. And Orlando City's been a bit of a slump, obviously, recently with their results. So they're they, you know, the biggest thing is that is that this game is in Toronto. The first game in Toronto for TFC this year and since before the pandemic. Obviously, we know Canada has really locked things down, but they've they've they're allowing matches now to be played in Canada. And now you have Toronto hosting Orlando City, their first home game there. You got to think they're going to be up for that one big time. Then you, And you also have Mont- uh, CF Montreal hosting FC Cincinnati. It's Dodd Saputo. That's another one to watch uh, just because, again, it's their first game at home. Unfortunately, Vancouver's still not at home. for uh, the, Vancouver, I believe, is playing the LA Galaxy at Rio Tinto Stadium, which is their Airbnb for the pandemic. But those are just some of the matches to keep keep track of. Minnesota United and Seattle. On Sunday, that that you know, a nice little uh, little warm up before you get U.S. Canada, you get 
Minnesota United Seattle. I think that'll be an interesting one. Minnesota's had 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 its issues. Uh, you know, they've had their 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 run of results. They they haven't been able to find consistency. And now they got to play Seattle. Seattle top team in the league, but Seattle's missing players. Obviously, Christian Roldan, Alex Roldan, international duty. That's you know, it's a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for Brian Schmetzer to see if they can continue rolling as the top team in MLS. And I think that's it. I think we've covered uh, everything there is to cover for now. We will not have an episode between now and Sunday. So the next episode will be Monday. And we'll be talking about, uh, obviously, what USM is in Canada, the knockout round, uh, looking ahead to the knockout rounds of the Gold Cup. And, uh, and we'll get into, into all that. We'll see who performs. We'll see who starts. And we'll see who steps up in what is going to be a big USMNT Canada game. And guess what? Just around the corner, who what's on the horizon? US Women's National Team in the Olympics. It'll be here before you know it. I think it's a week away, actually. A week from Sunday, I think. So we'll be getting into that as well. We'll, we'll be discussing the US Women's National Team as well, covering their Olympic run. You got to watch that. Best team in the world. Can they maintain that role? Maintain that title? Best team in the world. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, thank you for listening as well. And and let me know. Give me some feedback, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on SBI, whether it's on SoundCloud. If you want to email me, SBISoccerMail at Gmail. Let me know what you think. Let me let me know what you think of the of the show. It's been great to, to get it rolling again. We've been on a pretty good clip now. Um, and I'm having fun. And yes, I promise we will start getting guests again as as I, as we settle into things. Having three shows a week, it's, it, may, it makes it tough to, to, to find the time to also get guests. But that's in the works. I'm making that happen. So stay tuned for that as well. But that's all for now. I'm Ivan Scalarset. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>